Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivan Rotamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jaya Udiraye We're reading today from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Canto 1, Chapter 2, Divinity and Divine Service. Today's text is the same as yesterday. It's text number 11. And I'll review the word for word and then we can chant again the Sanskrit verse. Vedanti. They say... Tut, that, tatva, vida, the learned souls, tatvam, the absolute truth, yat, which, jnanam, knowledge, advayam, non-dual, brahma iti, known as brahman. Paramatma iti, known as Paramatma. Bhagavan iti, known as Bhagavan. Shabdite, it so sounded. Vadanti tattva vidas, tattvam yajnanam advayam. Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavan Iti Shabdite And now if you didn't chant yesterday, then please chant today. Oh, 1, 2, 11. 1, 2, 11. Srimad Bhagavatam, 1st Kando, 2nd chapter, 11th verse. Vadanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yajnana madvayam brahmiti paramatmeti vakhaniti shabdite. If you didn't chant yesterday, please chant. Vadanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yajnana madvayam. Brahm eti paramatmeti Bhagavan eti shabdite. And the translation is Learned transcendentalists who know the absolute truth call this non dual substance Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. If you left your door or window open, then these guys might settle down. I'm talking to those guys, not you. Purport. The absolute truth is, okay, deep breath. The absolute truth is both subject, see what association does? <laughs> the absolute truth is both subject and object, and there is no qualitative difference there. Therefore, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are qualitatively one and the same. The same substance is realized as impersonal Brahman by the students of the Upanishads, as localized Paramatma by the Hiranyagarbhas, or the yogis, and as Bhagavan by the devotees. In other words, Bhagavan, or the personality of Godhead, is the last word of the Absolute Truth. Paramatma is the partial representation of the personality of Godhead, an impersonal Brahman is the glowing effulgence of the personality of Godhead as the sun rays 
are to the sun god. Less intelligent students of either of the above schools sometimes argue in favor of their own respective realization, but those who are perfect seers of the absolute truth know well that the above three features of the one absolute truth are different perspectives, perspective views seen from different angles of vision. As it is explained in the first shloka of the first chapter of the Bhagavatam, the Supreme Truth is self-sufficient, cognizant and free from the illusion of relativity. In the relative world, the knower is different from the known, but in the Absolute Truth, both the knower and the known are one and the same thing. In the relative world, the knower is the living spirit or superior energy, whereas the known is inert matter or inferior energy. Therefore, there is a duality of inferior and superior energy, whereas in the absolute realm, both the knower and the known are the same superior energy. There are three kinds of energies of the supreme energetic. There is no difference between the energy and the energetic, but there is a difference of quality of energies. The absolute realm of the living entities are of the same superior energy, but the material world is inferior energy. The living being in contact with the inferior energy is illusioned, thinking he belongs to the inferior energy. Therefore, there is the sense of relativity in the material world. In the absolute, there is no such sense of difference between the knower and the known and therefore everything there is absolute. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Nena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha What page is it on, just in case? I was thinking this morning when we were at the temple that a, wherever the Supreme Personality of Godhead is and the devotees are serving Him, the highest grade of consciousness is that those who come to the temple are parts of the Supreme Lord. This is mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, in the discussion between Maharaj Nimi and the Nava Yogendras. Havi Havi Antariksha. Uh, Havi Yogendra talks about the vision of people who are in the topmost level of devotional service, and that is they see the Supreme Lord within everything and everything within the Supreme Lord. And those in the medium position of devotional service um, see that uh, the Supreme Lord is there, they also see the devotees and know how to respect them. They see other living entities and they make a distinction between the two of them, the two kinds. One are those who are averse to the Supreme Lord and those who are in harmony with the Lord. And they <clears throat> make friendship with the devotees, they worship the Lord, and then they distinguish between those who are open and those who aren't open. And they also know who, how to know how to do good for others. The lowest level are, is described acharyam eva hareye pujam yashareye hate natad bhakte shu chanyeshu sabhakta prakrita smrtaha. The prakrita bhakta is a materialistic bhakta, which is somewhat a contradiction in terms, but it indicates that even those starting from the beginner's level who are still attached to the material world can begin bhakti because it's so generous. Nonetheless, it describes that their symptom is that they don't know how to go do good for others. Nacha chanishu acharyam evahari means they only see the deity in the temple. Pujam yashariyehate and they're dedicated to that puja. Natad bhakteshu chanishu so they don't see devotees and they don't see Anyeshu, others also, who ultimately are also devotees, but they just forgot. So 
going into a temple environment, those who are of higher vision, they see those who visit the temple as being sent by the Lord, part and parcel of the Lord. And in fact, there's a, a directive that if you're doing puja to the Lord and a devotee comes, you're supposed to stop the puja, go and greet the devotee, and make sure the devotee is satisfied in all ways, and then go back to your puja afterwards. This is satisfying to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And so whenever we have an environment where we're doing puja together, it's the most enlightened to consider how everyone's included. When we walk into any temple, we have to look at it from the point of view of somebody who just walked in the door for the first time. They don't know all, all the words or the rituals or why people do certain things. So making accommodation is an enlightened way of acting and also of pleasing Krishna, to making sure that his parts and parcels who have come there, specifically out of some sincerity, are accommodated. All that to say, the Mangalacharana prayers are on what page? What? 85. And there's two sets of Mangalacharana prayers because we're a little nuts. And that is, there's a short one and a really long one. So this verse begins by saying that there are those who know tattva. It's not that nobody knows and that therefore anybody's opinion is as good as another. There's a way in which uh, there is a reality, and that's why this word, this word tut is important. It's the demonstrative pronoun. It's the same in English, same word that. You just add an H. And you can point to something and say that thing exists. And tattva means like thatness. There's a, a state of uh, being or something that, that exists and has a certain nature. Just like we say being, a being, what is that like? You be, you are, <laughs> and you had an ing on to the end, and you just keep doing it. You keep being. You're a being, which is an interesting word, isn't it? How, how are you, or how be you? I, I'm being. You're a human being. So, there are those who who know uh, the difference of categories in energies, as we talked about yesterday as is described in this verse. There are varieties of within the dvaya. So dvaya means seeing things separately, dva. There's two things, not just one. And advaya means there's not two things, there's only one. Once on a morning walk, somebody asked Prabhupada, why are there so many different religions? And Prabhupada said, it is not difference, it is variety. And so, similarly, this verse is pointing out that it's advaya. There's one thing, only there's variety within it. Well, why not? And some would say, well, that can't be. There's only one thing. That just means one thing. And they speculate. And therefore, the path of, that one adopts uh, brings one to a particular uh, realization. Prabhupada mentions in his uh, discussion of this verse that by one's own mental power, one can only come to an impersonal understanding. That's as far as you can get by speculating on what advaya means, non-dual. And then you come to this point, it's like, it must mean the opposite of variety that I see here in the material world, and therefore, my answer is nothing. It's just nothing, or just something homogeneously one. So Prabhupada points out here that according to the path that one takes up, one will come to various uh, realizations in approaching the, su the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then he gives the analogy of the sun. The sun is one entity, but it has a variety of parts or various parts. So there's 
as Prabhupada explains it, there's the effulgence of the sun, and then there's the sun globe itself, and then here's a stretch for those who just look at it with the naked eye. There's a sun god. So these are three varieties of the one sun. So similarly, the absolute truth has a variety of features that are being mentioned here. And if my approach is correct, I can enter into the deeper understanding of the variety and come to the source, which is Krishna. Just as the source of the sun is the sun god, there has to be a personal force behind, or there is a personal force behind everything. It's just that I don't see it. So the process of bhakti yoga involves approaching the source through devotion. If you were to approach a person, for instance, maybe you were sleuthing some information about a person, you wanted to know more about them, or that was your task, then you could go and drive around their house and kind of, um, you know, case the place and watch from the outside, just observe. Or you could then uh, maybe knock on the door and talk to the person and ask them some official questions. And how forthcoming would, would you be if someone came and knocked on your door and said, hey, uh, who are you? Uh, and can I ask you a few more questions? Like, do you have a bank account? And so forth. We do hesitate when we're approached by uh, people we don't know well, or even if they're sent as a representative, we wonder what's their motive and so forth. So we may only give limited information about ourselves. But who do we give the most information to, or who knows us the best? Those who are close to us and have we've developed a relationship with. They've shown themselves to love us, in fact. And therefore, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in the ninth chapter, Samoham Sarvabhuteshu, Name Dveshostinapriya, Ye Bhajanti Tumambhaktya, Maite Teshu Chapyaham. He says, I'm neutral towards every, every living being. Samoham. Samo means I'm same towards everybody. Samoham Sarvabhuteshu means to, to all living beings, he's the same. Nami Dveshostinapriya, and nobody is uh, repugnant to me, and uh, no one's particularly dear. But then he says, Nabhajanti uh, Tumambhaktya, is it not? Samoham Sarvabhuteshu, Nami Dveshostinapriya, Yei Bhajanti. So Bhajanti means, but if someone uh, begins to uh, express their appreciation towards me, you know, bhaja, where you have this maybe sense of gratitude that there is someone behind everything, and you start to appreciate that person. Ye bhajanti tumam bhakta, and then you become a bhakta. You go down that road and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to dedicate myself to this. I know there's somebody behind this. And then you get more information and association to devotees that, yeah, there is a supreme person. I haven't seen him yet, but I have the sense that I, I like that person. He's taking care of me. He always has. And then you hear more and more about him that he's, he's actually uh, funny and uh, he has loving relationships and so forth. So then you become a bhakta. Ye bhajanti tumam bhaktya. Then Krishna says, maite teshu chapyaham. Then the relationship changes. And he said, I live in them and they live in me. And then it becomes an intimate relationship. There's a there's commentary by our acharyas talking about this verse. The first half of the verse refers to those who have those who are in the material world and have their own agenda. And they just, if they have any realization of God at all, it's that he's my order supplier. 
However, when somebody's mood changes towards God and they uh, begin to feel grateful and they start to offer worship and prayers uh, to glorify Krishna, not just to say, uh, gimme, 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 then uh, Krishna's relationship changes with the devotee. He's always available in that capacity, but it's my capacity that changes. And Prabhupada calls it in the Chaitanya Charamrita, the uh, fourth chapter, uh, 34th verse, second to last paragraph, he says that every living being has an appreciating capacity. He mentions that when we're in lower forms of life, we have less of an appreciating capacity. And when we come to the human form of life, it's a portal through which we can expand our appreciating capacity unlimitedly. And how do we do that? Through uh, bhaja, bhajante, through bhakti. That's the process through which we expand our appreciating capacity. And Krishna says definitively in the Bhagavad Gita, bhakti mam abhijananti yavan yashchasmi tattvataha tato mam tattvato gyadva vishite taranantaram. The, the Mayavadis, they misinterpret this first because vishya means to enter into something, into my existence. So they say, yeah, see, you become one through bhakti. But actually, you become one in love and in purpose. And what Krishna is actually saying in this verse is that when you take the bhakti path, then you'll enter into all the secrets. As Krishna says elsewhere, raja vidya raja guyam pavitramida mutamam, that there's this open secret about my relationship with all living beings. And it's, it's available, but you have to take the right path, which is bhakti. Then vishite taranantaram, you can actually enter into the center. You can come into the, the real existence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So every one of the features of the Lord that's name, mentioned here, there are different names, Brahma iti. So iti is like, in Sanskrit, it's quotation marks. They, they call it this, it's called this, which means literally it's this, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. These three varieties are within the Supreme. So in a very general sense, there's Sat, Chit, and Ananda. These are three qualities of the Supreme. There are also our qualities too as Atma, as parts of Krishna. We're sparks of the fire. Mamai vamsho jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana. We have the same sanatana nature and we also have the same quality as the Supreme only in minute quantity. So what are these qualities? There's sat, which means uh, existence. So if something exists, it's actually there, then you can uh, point to it. As always say, Om Tat Sat, that thing actually exists. So the next is Chit, which is cognizance, awareness. And the third feature is Ananda. So Sat, Chit, and Ananda. And in Brahman realization, there's this sense of existence. Uh, and uh, maybe just a slight sense of, of cognizance and also of Ananda, but very slight. And then in Paramatma realization, there's the sense of cognizance. There's a way in which in our relationship with, with Paramatma, Krishna says in the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, when you become aware of me and you, you start taking seriously my instructions that I'm giving you from within the heart, then you can cross over all the obstacles of material life by my grace. There's, there's a sense, a cognizance that, yes, there is a higher voice that's coming to me, the adult in the room. And then Ananda, Ananda relates to the personal existence, the, the personality of the Lord and his relationships with us and, and his all his associates in the spiritual world. And that uh, can only be entered into or realized through the process of, of bhakti. As uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted uh, several times, Nayam Sukapo Bhagavan, uh, Nayam Sukapo Bhagavan, Dehinam 
Gopikasuta. Uh, third line? Okay. Nayam Sukapa Bhagavan Dehinam Gopikasuta. Uh, anyway, somebody look it up. Somehow it's missing in my file cabinet. Dehinam uh, Gopikasuta. He says, Nayam uh, Sukapa Bhagavan, there's a natural way of uh, being in contact with me. There's also unnatural ways. He said there are ganis, there's yogis, there are materialistic people, and their path in life doesn't open them to understand uh, my personality. But through the bhakti path, worshiping Krishna out of a sense of gratitude and then adopting the path of the saints, following in their footsteps of how to approach God, then uh, one gradually begins to experience both all three, Sat, Chit, and Ananda, all the features of Gop, Dehinam Gopikasuta, Dehin, huh? Nayam Sukapa Bhagavan, Dehinam Gopikasuta, Gyaninam Chatmabhutanam, Yata Bhakti Matam Iha. So he names the various kinds of people like Gyanis, Yogis, materialists, and so forth, and confirms that they can only reach a certain level of realization. Their appreciating capacity hasn't grown. But for those who adopt the path of bhakti, they follow in the footsteps of the uh, great devotees, then they're able to easily come into uh, knowledge of satchit ananda and come to the, realize their, their position. This is... Uh, I alluded to it last night. In fact, we mentioned about how everyone sees Krishna in a different way. When Krishna went into the wrestling arena in Mathura, there are nine or ten different kinds of people there that saw him differently. The, the yogis saw the absolute truth, and the wrestlers just thought, it looks like we're going to have a tough fight. Everyone, according to their their disposition, had a, a, a reaction to that. And it's mentioned also in the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam by Shukadev Goswami when he's telling Parikshit Maharaj about levels of people who realize the Supreme. Itam satam brahma sukhanabhutya dasem gatanam paradaivatena mayashutanam naradarakena sakam vrijaru kritapunya punjai. He distinguishes that some people they are only aware of his effulgence. And other people, they are, uh, in a sense, they have a reverence for the Lord, and then they're in Vaikuntha, and they see him as Narayan. Other people, Mayashutanam, Nardarkena, those people who are in Maya, they're covered by the material energy. They just think he's an ordinary human being. But then he says, then there's some people, Sakam Vrijaru Kritapunya Punja, because he's hearing from Shukadeva Goswami about how the coward boys are playing with Krishna as an equal. He said, these are uh, ones who have entered into the relationship, the deep relationship with the personality of Godhead who's behind everything. And this has come about through accumulating heaps and heaps, as Prabhupada writes, of bhakti unmukhi sukriti, or this uh, contact with bhakti. And therefore, the, now they're playing with the Supreme Lord, and they've entered into a deep relationship with him. So here's the point. Krishna is always available. And it, our process of bhakti is to develop our appreciating capacity more and more so that we can actually enter into our relationship with Krishna. Anything less than that will not satisfy us and therefore we should do it. So now let's take some reflections or questions. We'll discuss this verse more. Yes. We'll get you a mic because we're a full service operation and we guarantee it within seven seconds or less or your money back from this class. <laughs> we have tech support too.
comes with it if it doesn't work. Hare Krishna. Uh, thank you, Maharaj. So yesterday you mentioned in on the same verse that the living entity is superior energy and uh, we are not compatible with material energy and therefore we won't be satisfied in the you know hanging around material in the material world. But if we all are sparks of the Supreme Lord and everyone have a different disposition how they approach so if somebody becomes self-realized in the Brahman conception or Paramatma, are they completely satisfied being like that or they are still incompatible and eventually they would want to experience something else, higher? Yes. We, in the Brahman conception, there's no variety. And variety is the mother of enjoyment. Have you ever flown in an airplane for a long period of time? <laughs> Anyone? And you just want to see terra firma again? You start coming down and you're getting hopeful. You see mostly clouds. And then when you start to see houses and people and people driving around, and go, oh, life again. There's variety. Yes, this is a material example, but the, our acharyas give the same type of example for being in Brahman realization. There's a sense in Brahman realization that I'm, I exist. So that's not enough because at some point we want enjoyment. Anandamayobhyasat. We, by nature, are in, we want pleasure. We want ananda. We want happiness. And that doesn't come from the... Uh, existence, uh, a non-differentiated existence. We want the variety. Then Paramatma, the relationship we have with Paramatma is uh, in the material world. The Paramatma is a representation of the Lord who is here to hold our hand a little bit and also, you know, uh, just fulfill our desires. Ishvara Sarva Bhutanam Hridya Sherjuna Tishyati or saparya jakshu kram akayam mavranam asnavinam shudam apapavidam kavir manisi prebhu swayamburi yatat yatator tan viradashasvati vyasamabhyaha. Sri Shapanishad said, he's our, from time immemorial, he's been there fulfilling all our desires as Paramatma. So that's on the level of samoham sarvabhuteshu name dvesho stinapriya. My relationship, like the Vishnus who manifest the world, this is their expression of joy, because God's all joy, all happiness. And when he expands the material world, you know, in the Shristi Leela, he's making the whole world available. Really, the purpose of it is to allow the living entities to realize their nature and go back home, back to Godhead. But living entities are quite predictable and boring when they're... See, the variety, she wants to see the cats. So, <laughs> Vishnu lying on the ocean is uh, described as having half-closed eyes. Jagannath, on the other hand, his eyes are wide open. As some of our acharyas have explained, it's because he's in so much ecstasy hearing about the devotion of the devotees in Vrindavan. He's like this, and also he's in ecstasy. His limbs go with, within his body and so forth. Vrindavan is really the city that never sleeps. Because Krishna comes home in the evening, Yashoda bathes him, feeds him, puts him to bed, and he sneaks out the window. Because he's got relationships 24-7 in Vrindavan. In the material world, everyone's interested in themselves. And they're, they're just, to the degree they're taking help from Paramatma, even if they're focused on Paramatma and realizing that relationship Paramatma, it's, it's, a, it's one of just being dependent. However, if one comes in contact with devotees and realizes that that sense of gratitude as Shukadev imparted to 
Parikshit Maharaj, in the very beginning, he said, look at the universe and see how generous it is. Are there not rivers that are just fulfilling all your desires? How about the trees? Just look at a tree. Can you appreciate the fact that there's seeds inside there and that the fruit is just hanging down available? So you look at the universal form. There's a person behind everything. So those in Paramatma realization, once they start to realize that sense of bhakti by association of devotees, their relationship changes. It's not just supplier and supply and demand. But their vision of the Paramatma changes also. As mentioned, Premanjana Chudita Bhakti Vilochinena Santaksa Daiva Hrdeyeshu Vilokayanti Yamshamasundarama Chintya Gunasarupam Govindamari Purusham Tamahambajami. The difference between Paramatma and Krishna is that Krishna is that f ultimate form of joy for exchange of love. There's no happiness without love. And there are various levels of motivation. Is everyone okay still? We have a few more minutes. There's there's various levels of motivation that we can develop by association. In the material world, the motivation is based on fear. Once one starts to, uh, a, a little bit above fear is prospect. What am I going to get in return? Is a relationship with Paramatma. And then above that, we have a sense of duty coming to the mode of goodness. And above that is love. And when our motivation is based on love for Krishna, then Krishna manifests his form as Shamasundar. That's what we see in our hearts, not Paramatma, that the supplier or the controller of the universe who's, uh, and we've had a relationship with this universe since the time immemorial. We can't trace it back. It would, it's been so long we've had the relationship here. So our relationship changes according to our own disposition towards Krishna. So no, we can't ma maintain our existence in Brahman. We'll fall down from that. And we won't be satisfied simply by asking for God for things or just uh, being cognizant of his existence. We need actually a relationship. That means that you can work hard for Brahman realization and merge or Paramatma realization, but until you actually are hankering to see the face of God and reciprocate with his love, then you'll fall down from all those other positions. I could have just said that, but I didn't have my timer on. Okay. Vaikuntan Naik Prabhu. Maharaj, uh, we know that uh, people who are attracted to the impersonal feature, they go to the Brahman, this thing, and the devotees, their ultimate destination is uh, the spiritual planets. Uh, what is the ultimate destination of a true yogi? Will he be who sees the Lord in his heart? Um, what What is his destination? Well, Krishna talks in the 8th chapter about destinations of various people and he mentions yogis who are very calculative and they figure out they have an app on their Apple watch that tells them exactly when to leave the world it's not stereotype there are categories we mentioned but it really it comes down to the individual's relationship and their their own mentality but if one is very calculative Krishna says about how to leave the material when to leave the material world then there's ways in which one can attain liberation but it's not permanent Prabhupada says so really has to do more with the the quality of one's consciousness if we want a loving relationship with Krishna then such a yogi, Krisha says, yogi nam apisarvesham madgatanantaratmana sharavan bhajteyomam same yuktatamomataha. He said, uh, there's this yogi, that yogi, the best yogi is the one who has this sense of devotion. So it really depends on the level of devotion of, of any person, whatever category we put them in. And Krishna mentions other categories of yogis. He says, atma upam yena sarvatra samam pashiti arjuna. 
Sukham Vayari Vadu Kamsa Yogi Paramomata. Paramo Yogi is the one who develops empathy for other living beings because he sees everyone's in the same boat and he tries to do good for others. We'll notice such a person and see that they're actually uh, of a, a higher stature than someone who's just calculating how to um, navigate his or her way out of the material world. Uh, yeah, Prabhu and Pranahar, you got to say something to try to yeah. elevate the conversation. Right now? <clears throat> yeah, right now. Well, uh, <laughs> I really appreciated the verse of Bhagavad Gita 930, uh, I just appreciated its simplicity uh, that that well, the onus is on the living entity to offer worship or offer its uh, one's attention, one's consciousness, and one's service with some some feeling, uh, some bhakti, uh, for Krishna to open the door to this loving personal relationship. You said he's always ready, he's always available, uh, but it's us as living entities who need to kind of make that first step and uh, yeah, I really I really appreciated that because uh, it makes it seem simple in in the mind okay I do bhakti I do I, I worship Krishna it's it's the abhideya in one verse I guess so I, I appreciate that thank you I, I just want to make a comment that from our experience yesterday in book distribution and I was it made me very thoughtful yesterday as I was observing in my own interactions with people how affected I was by their reaction to our presentation. And I saw that as uh, indicative of the way that uh, Krishna also observes us. Not to say that, you know, when we're doing Bhuktish, we're in the position of Krishna, but it gives us an objectivity to, to watch and reflect upon our, our own reactions to Krishna with the opportunities that he gives us. That's what I'm saying. So as an example, yesterday there was a, a person who was um, asking for donations. And... Um, I've had several experiences, like I mentioned before, at Jagannath Puri and elsewhere, but one was demonstrative at Jagannath Puri when we were having the big Hari Nam outside the temple. There was there are some people, that's what they do for a living, is they beg. And so there was a, a woman who was begging, and then I offered her our gamut of fine articles, and then asked her for a donation, and she was a little surprised because she goes, like, no, I ask everybody else. But my stance was that I'm not asking for myself. It's I'm not asking you for donation on the same level that you're asking me for a donation. And I understand everyone has their situation in life, but I'm, I, I'm representing somebody else. So it's, uh, let's take the you know, the equality out of it. My asking and your asking is not the same thing. Because if she uh, gives something, I'm not taking it, but I'm giving it back to Krishna. It's, it's like I'm accepting it on Krishna's behalf. And so we were back and forth, and she kept up her side of the her business, which is, no, no, you give me. And I said, no, no, you give me. And I s stood in mountain pose. And then a crowd got around, and they were all watching. It's like, who's going to win? The big, tall American guy? Uh, <laughs> who? How did he even get here? And this uh, woman who's been here forever begging from tourists on the street. Like, who wins this one? And uh, she was biased. All of a sudden, there was a flash of recognition on her face and she smiled and then she pulled out a bunch of change kind of enthusiastic and dumped it on me and and the crowd went yay like somebody just won and it wasn't a personal ego thing that i won it was that i was realizing that i i had a right to ask her can i beg from a beggar yes 
And the same thing happened yesterday. There was a gentleman, we don't know who people are, and I don't like to pre-guess, but I do know that I have a duty to do, and it includes asking anybody. Uh, an observer might say, well, how can you beg from a beggar? Well, I don't know his position, but I do know that Krishna's taking care of him one way or the other. And beggars don't do as poorly as people think, actually. Um, and I went over and I ran it by him. And, you know, he, he has a look, which he, which is part of his program, like, you're kidding me, right? Look at me, you know? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not talking to you on that level that look at me, I'm in this, I'm talking you soul to soul, and it's not for me, it's, I'm accepting this on behalf of Krishna, you'll get the benefit. It's, it's a, it's a purely spiritual exchange. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, when we explain it to him in that way, he changed his mind, and we just said, well, just give something. Start the process. You know, you can give back something. Reverse the flow of just thinking, I have to take in. Give it back, and you'll see that your whole life will change. So he pulled out, you know, whatever he had in his hand, which was a couple of coins and then a, then a 10 rupee note. And I was thinking, I'll only take just one little um, coin, because after all, you know, I was, that's what I was thinking. But then my hands are kind of trained to go like this. So I just put my hands like that. And the relationship changed and his countenance changed everything and he just sort of dumped everything into my hands. And so um, I was a little ambivalent, actually, about it. But then uh, I just saw that, okay, then... We handed him prasadam, and we gave him books and everything like that. And as I walked down the road, I was just thinking about the relationship we have with Krishna. And he's kind of got like this. Why don't you just dump the whole thing in? You know, Sarvatarma Paritya means like, you know, I know you're hurting for money and like you got a sad story like every other living entity, but why don't you just give the whole thing right here? I'll take, I'll take it for you, you know, and just I'll take care of you. And uh, so there's this really interesting relationship that every soul has with Krishna. It's in real time, and it's always happening, and there's always an opportunity that we can just say, like, okay, here, take it all. And just take take everything. And that's when we enter into a, a different level of relationship with Krishna. And we realize that we have much more capacity than we thought. And actually that we're always being maintained. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Ananyas chintayantamam yejana paryupasate tesham nityabdyuktanam yoga kshemam bahamyaham That if you go that route, he's saying, you just decide to give your full awareness, consciousness to me and in devotion, don't worry about anything else. I'll carry whatever you lack and I'll preserve what you have. And it's true. He already is, but we're not availing ourselves to that full uh, grace, prasad. Grace means, prasad means grace. We're not, I'm not availing myself to the full prasad that Krishna has to offer. Okay, last Quick ones, I'll answer in 30 seconds. Thank you so much for lecture. Uh, I just learned one new mantra on this on, on this morning and uh, from you just now, and it says, develop motivation by association. And I realized that's very apparent on this yatra, and uh, even the first day I'm feeling so ecstatic and blissful and motivated to wake up and go for the program. Um, and I just really appreciate the point about appreci uh, appreciation, developing appreciation, the, the capacity. And I think that can expand, as you said, infinitely and uh, also give us motivation. Motivation by association. Okay. Last point. And also, please think about this verse carefully. Uh, if you want those like, 
you know, Pranahari's probably already researching it, the verse. But try to go deeper within it because it's, it's, it's a helpful to see how much we can enter into this one verse. I was just thinking of uh, our conversations in Govardhan about Bayam um, Vitaraga Bayakrota. And how one of the things that we spoke about was this Bayam fearfulness comes from a lack of. It's a fear that Krishna won't be personally involved in my life. So, Brahman, there's a sense that I'm being maintained. Paramatma, there's a sense that I'm being guided. But the level of Bhagavan, one can actually see that Krishna is, is personally taking care of the needs in my life. It's not just a general affection, but it's specific to my situation according to how I've associated with this world, how I've become entangled. Um, Krishna's, you know, undoing all the knots. Personally. That's such an important point. It's something that Gopakumar mentioned. Just last question, Tori. You were watching the uh, exchange with the quote-unquote beggar who was sitting there last night. What was your impression of the exchange? Microphone. Hare Krishna. Initially, uh, I think I was just observing because I trust your actions. Um, but afterwards I was thinking when we don't approach these people, we're, we're delaying their experience or the opportunity to be in service. Um, perhaps they don't have much, but any, like you, like you said, any spiritual interaction is service to the Supreme. Um, and I was thinking of the own times I do book distribution, I tend to go for the people who seem the friendliest, the friendliest, or those who will uh, be open to having conversation. But it's probably those who don't seem open that I should pursue the most. That's a profound realization. Not necessarily, because the the admonition in the Bhagavatam is try to go for the ripe fruits first. <laughs> Although the sentiment is correct. Uh, and uh, I appreciate your observation too, and what you said about we don't want to delay their opportunity to come into devotional service. And that's one of the reasons that we ask for donations in the first place. And why I say to people, here I don't talk, but normally I'll say to people in the West that we don't need the money. We only ask because when you give something, it's, it's for you, it's not for me. I don't need anything, I'm fine. But you need something, and that's to start giving <laughs> to Krishna. And uh, people actually respond to that much better than, like some people do, uh, better than this idea like, you know, just uh, I need the money for the book or to 